Good morning to you, the Unshakable Nation. You are listening to another episode of the Unshakable Podcast. My name is Sam, and I am your podcast host. The Unshakable Podcast is an extension of Unshakable Ministries, where our goal is to educate, equip, encourage, and empower Christ followers to live the life that Christ expects us to live. Ways that you can find us on social media, you will go over to Facebook and search Unshakable Podcast. You will find us there. On Instagram, our username is unshakable underscore podcast. And on Twitter, our username is unshakable underscore one. For ways that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation, if you are listening this morning, let me be the first to say welcome to the Unshakable Nation. For other ways, if you will check your show notes right there in your podcast app, you will see links to other ways you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation. As always, we want to take this opportunity to thank those who are continuing to give in support of the show and helping us expand this ministry to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you want to know how you can give to the show, as I stated, just check the show notes right there in your podcast app and you will see a link that says support the show. For feedback, questions, comments, topics, whatever it is you want to throw at me, I ask that you send that over to Sam at UnshakableMinistries.com. The most important way, we say this during every episode, it may get a little redundant, but we just want you to know that this is the most important way that you can become a part of the Unshakable Nation, and that is to lift us up in prayer, praying that we would be sensitive to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, joining God where He is already at work, impacting the world one life at a time with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So welcome back in this morning. And we're going to do something. I know the last couple of weeks we started in in the letters uh, that Paul wrote, and I feel like the Holy Spirit has just kind of led us in a different direction over the past few weeks. And uh, today is going to be no different. We're we're gonna we are gonna read a little bit from Romans, but it's not gonna be following a, a, a particular pattern or series here. But we're gonna read a little bit from Romans, and then I want to get into something that happened this week, and and really just talk about that, and just share with you what happened uh, this week, and and some of the information that was that was discussed and things like that. But before I do that, I want to jump into Romans chapter 12, and I want to read something from Romans chapter 12. And we're going to be reading verses 9 through verses 21, and this is the end of Romans chapter 12. And I encourage you as well to pick it up and and go read. And as always, I will always want to encourage everyone, whatever we discuss here on the show from, from Scripture, I always want you to pick it up and read it. I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want you to pick it up and I want you to read it. And I want you to really pray before you read it that you would have an encounter with God as you read through these scriptures. Because there's something that happens when we pick them up individually as believers in order to have an encounter with our Father in heaven. And when we read those words and we have an expectation of life to flow from those words, amazing things can happen in our lives. So I want to ask that you take this, Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, and prayerfully read through these verses and just pray that 
life would come from them. And I'm a firm believer that the word is living and active. That's what it tells us in Hebrews and sharper than any double-edged sword. And it, it can bring about new life in us as believers, as well as conviction as we read through it. And we've got to be open to both. We've got to be open to the positive side of things and then open also to be have our toes stepped on, to, to have conviction come into our life, to change things that need to be changed in our lives as professed Christ followers. So I want to read from Romans chapter 12, as I said, verses 9 through verses 21. And this is what it says. It says, let love be genuine. Let me pause for a second right here. It, under, the, the title in my Bible says, Marks of the True Christian, is what mine says as we get into these verses. So let me start again, chapter, nine, uh, chapter 12, verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. As I said, the title of my Bible says Marks of a True Christian as we get into these verses. And that brings me to a point where I feel like conviction should begin to step in as we read through these verses. I read through them, continue to read through them. This is actually one of my favorite areas in Scripture. And I really believe that we have to begin to open the Word in a much different way. We tend to open the Scriptures and read through the Scriptures looking for some positive feedback in our lives, something to encourage us. And don't get me wrong, I believe Scriptures can be used to encourage. And I believe that a lot of times we actually misunderstand what that encouragement looks like. Sometimes there's encouragement to change. Just because it steps on your toes doesn't mean that it's not encouragement. We constantly look to Scripture to support a certain belief that we have, a certain doctrine that we have been taught to support our lifestyle, whatever that may be, instead of looking at Scripture with an encouragement to change ourselves without accepting the conviction that comes from Scripture. And we can't do that. We can't bypass the conviction that comes with reading and studying Scripture. 
it's it's not just all happy-go-lucky cake and ice cream when we open the Scripture. And I feel like so many times that's exactly what we're expecting when we open the Scripture, even when we listen to the teaching of the Scripture. And if it's something that we don't like or agree with in terms of someone stepping on our toes, then we just cast it to the side as if it's meaningless. And that's not the case. So I want us to remember these verses right here. And again, I ask that you prayerfully go read these verses and find out what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to you. Is there something within these verses that challenge you to change in order to show the marks of a true Christian? I know for me there is. There is every time I read this. I'm not going to sit here and say that I have it all together in these verses that, oh man, I'm perfect in this because I'm not. Every time I read this, again, it is one of those things that that the Holy Spirit just convicts my heart and says, hey, here's a place that you need to be challenged. You, you need to change some of these things. And as I read through these, you know, one of the, one of the things that stands out to me is I, I want to call myself a lover, right? That's I, I want to say that I love my neighbor and, and, and I love my enemy. But it says, love one another with brotherly affection. You know, granted, my brothers and I growing up, we didn't agree on everything. And even today, we still don't agree on everything, on all points. But does that mean that we have to be at each other's throats, that we have to be divided? Well, it's just like that in the body of Christ, that we may not agree on every point. We may not agree on every doctrine, but does that mean that we have to be divided in our lives? And that's what I think a lot of the problem is in the church today. And you guys have heard me say, I'm anti the way church is done. I'm not anti the body of Christ, not anti fellowship. I'm not anti worship. I'm anti the way things are done in the church. And I believe it is there's twofold fault in all of this. I don't believe that it's all the church's fault. But they do have some fault and to a degree probably carry the heavier load in the way things are done in the church. But it's also those who are members within these churches. And that's what I want to bring up this morning. You know, I had an opportunity to sit down and have lunch with a dear friend he is actually the associate pastor at the church that I attend, the, the organized church that I attend. And you guys have heard me talk about the institutional church and how I completely disagree with the way the institutional church is done, and I do. However, as I've said, that doesn't give me a reason to be divided. And for some reason, the Holy Spirit, God will not allow me to just up and walk away. And that is for a reason. And this was this is my conviction. And my conviction is, is that I still need to be a part of the body of Christ. And I sat down with the, the, the associate pastor this week and we had lunch. And we had a great time, great lunch, a barbecue. Hey, who doesn't love a good barbecue sandwich and fries? But it was fantastic. And, and what was more than that was the conversation that we had. And we had great conversation. You know, part of it for me was, you know, I really wanted to yeah, just dig into him, get get to know him a little bit better on some different levels. 
And I think what happens is a lot of times we don't do that. We, as what I will call churchgoers, we don't do that. It's if someone says something that we don't like or that we don't agree with, we just write these people off. And, you know, to be quite honest with you, and, and it's not that he has done that. It was for me, it's just I want to I want to be intentional in what I'm doing. And I believe that we need to be intentional in everything that we do within the body of Christ. I believe everything should have a purpose. First and foremost, we, we need to understand that when we're intentional with one another, we are encouraging one another. We are building one another up. We are making the body of Christ stronger. And we are making it healthy. And that is imperative in our mission to carry out the gospel and to create disciples. So we sat down and we had lunch and you know learned a, a little bit more about him and, and what his goals were, his aspirations were. And we, we really got in, dug into some things. And I'm like I told you guys, I'm open and honest here. I'm open and honest with, with everyone. I don't know any other way to be. And as we were sitting there and, and I was sharing with him, you know, that I, I'm anti-church. And of course, I got the look and I, I paused and, and I explained. I said, listen, I said, I'm not anti the body of Christ or anti-fellowship. Obviously, that's why you see me and my family joining here to worship and fellowship and to be a part of the the teaching that's going on here. I said, I'm just anti the way that the institutional church does a lot of things. And we really just got to digging into a lot of that. And it brought us to a great discussion as we began to talk about that. And as I said, you know, he and I don't have to agree on everything for him to be my brother and for me to love him and to treat him as a friend. We don't have to agree on everything. That's, that's not the goal here. The goal here, as I said a moment ago, is making the church, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, healthy to get us back to a place of a solid foundation where we are of one mind and one accord. One mind and one accord doesn't mean that we agree on every single point. It means that we agree on the fundamentals of the gospel and of discipleship. And if we can agree on the fundamentals of the gospel and discipleship, the rest is just clutter. And the question that I proposed to him, and and we dug into some of my things about uh, the church and government and Christians being involved in government. And as we began to talk about that, it began to open the door to see some things, right? So I'm, I don't even want to sit here and say that it's, that it's uh, necessarily fundamentally an issue. I know there are those that believe it is a fundamental, fundamental issue within the gospel on um, how a Christian should participate in government. However, when we do that, when we say that it's fundamental, we we as those who are anti-government and Christian involvement in the government, we can have a tendency to sit back and say that God can't lead people uniquely and individually. And therefore, we tend to want to judge their position and their perspective. And that just isn't the case. I don't believe it's fundamental to the foundation of the gospel 
in their lives. I believe, and here's the thing, when we get into stuff like this, what you really find is, I've heard a lot of people say, well, that's open to interpretation. No, it's not open to interpretation. It's open to conviction, right? So we can't read the Bible, and I've had this conversation on on the podcast before as well. We can't read the Bible, and some people interpret it to say that we are to be teetotally alcohol-free, and then some read the Bible and say that's absolutely not true. We are under grace, so everyone can have a drink. Well, both are wrong because you've got to find the happy medium to understand that it's based on conviction, not interpretation. So each person in their own individual life will be convicted in certain areas of their life to participate in certain things the way that they feel free to do so. Some, their freedom in Christ brings about a conviction that they will abstain from all alcohol. That's perfectly fine. And then some, their freedom in Christ will allow them to partake, just not being a drunkard, and that's okay. The problem is, is both sides have to understand that it's all about conviction and how God is leading this particular individual. And I will tell you that even in the lives of those who choose to partake in alcohol under grace, that's not a sin until they cause a weaker Christian to stumble. Now, and I want to make sure I clarify that, a weaker Christian to stumble. That means that there are times in the life of a Christ follower who chooses to partake in alcohol under grace within moderation, that it can still be a sin for them. And that's the one thing that we have to recognize within our lives. It is, it's an ever-changing, it's an ebb and flow of the way that we carry ourselves in Christ. And that's what uh, he and I were talking about throughout this. And, and I, I did ask him a question, you know, very clearly. I said, you know, it's, it's one thing for the church leadership to hold the congregation accountable or members of this particular body accountable. I said, but it's a completely different thing for the church to be held accountable by its members. And I asked him, what, what can we do? And, and I say we because we're a body. Remember that? We are a body. Though we all have different roles, we are a body. We must learn to work together and stop being so divisive. And so that's what, what I wanted to get to is how can we, as a body of believers and the church leadership, be better about accepting accountability from its members? In other words, instead of setting itself up as a hierarchy, as if they are always right and anyone else is wrong, then what can we do to open that up and, and make the church leadership more accountable to the members? And the specific reasoning behind this was a lot of times there are questions. You know, for me, and this is what I explained to him, I will hear something that is taught from the pulpit, and to me it's a theological conversation, right? It's one of those things where... I'm not swayed easily. I've, I've been 
a Christian for the better part of my life since I was nine years old and I'm now 45. So you do the math on that. And I've studied the Bible since I was probably 12 years old in different manners and different ways, but most specifically over about the last 17, 18 years have really studied the Bible from a theological standpoint and been able to allow God to build this firm foundation in me. So I'm not easily shaken, easily waver. I don't easily waver in my mindset. So there are things for me that when I say they are doctrinal issues and they're theological issues, they're not necessarily for me. They're how they can be interpreted by those who are weaker in the faith, who don't have that solid foundation. And the problem that we see is when someone questions something that is being taught, a lot of times we see church leadership completely disregard any type of questions and they will reject an opportunity to sit down and have a conversation. But to me, that makes them close-minded. And as the what the scripture says right here, he says, never be wise in your own sight. And a lot of times I feel like that's how the church leadership looks at things. They are wise in their own sight. And they 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 trust their degrees from seminary more than they trust the fact that there might be someone that may be able to shed some wisdom on certain things that they are teaching. And it's that, like I said, it's that mindset of we're right and everyone else should just follow. So my question proposed to him was, how can the church be better about being open to these conversations? And I wouldn't say necessarily accountable to all degrees, but accountable to the conversations, opening up the conversations, allowing those conversations to happen. Listen, I understand that that the staff at a church can get busy. I've I've served on staff at churches, and I understand how that is. And we wonder how we can add one more thing to our plate. But the question is, is, is when it comes down to the teaching uh, of the Scripture, and when it comes down to the health of the body of Christ, those things take priority over a lot of the busyness and clutter that church leadership creates for itself. And I think what needs to happen is they need to prioritize and understand that if someone comes with a question and they want to talk about a certain thing that is taught, then the church needs to make that, the church leadership needs to make that a priority. And why is that? You know, it's it's like he and I were talking about at lunch is, you know, there is healthy discussion that comes in differences of thought. When when you disagree with someone, yet you can come together and have a healthy conversation without fighting one another, without arguing and debating things, what you find is it creates health within the body of Christ. And even if you walk away from the table and you say, you know what, we can agree to disagree you hug each other's neck, shake each other's hand, whatever it is, greet each other with a holy kiss, however you want to do it, and say, hey, we're still on for golf on Friday. It creates health in the body of Christ. And that's what we have to understand, is there, there are things that are not fundamental to the foundation of the gospel that we disagree on and we walk away from. And one of the things I pointed out to him is, is, you know, where I stand on 
the doctrine of election and the doctrine of free will. And I, I've said before here on the podcast where I stand on all that. I'm not going to get into that because I don't want this to be divisive. But the truth of it is, whether someone believes that or not that I go to church with is of no consequence to me. As long as it's not something that's taught from the pulpit. That's what we have to come to know in the church. There are things that are fundamental to the Christian life and discipleship that need to be taught from the pulpit. And there are things that are open to conviction that do not need to be taught from the pulpit. There are things that need to be had in private conversations, in private discussions, not in an open public forum where a weaker Christian can be led down the wrong path. And as I said, it was a fantastic lunch. It was a fantastic opportunity for two brothers in Christ to sit down who may have a difference of thought on things, but still walk away shaking hands and agreeing that the church, and he he specifically agreed that the church does need to be better in opening the lines of communication between the leadership and those members of their organization of their church so that they can better disciple those people. Because as I said, it is unhealthy for church leadership to reject an opportunity to have open conversations, even if there's disagreement. And then for those of us who are not church leadership that disagree with things that are taught, we also have to be able to approach this in love. And and, that's what it says right here. Love one another with brotherly affection. You know, as long as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And that's what we have to do is we have to understand that, you know, the goal is not to make everyone agree with what we say and what we do. We've got to stop being divisive. You know, that's my whole thing with politics and church is it becomes divisive. And as a body, of Christ, we are not to be divided. We are to be together in one accord. That's why I don't believe politics play a a part in the church. I, I believe they have no place in the church because we are to be unified in Christ of one mind, of one accord, for one purpose, one mission, to share the gospel and make disciples. And I thought the, the conversation went great. And I I just pray that churches all over the place will begin to say, you know what? We are a body. What can we do to open the lines of communication with our members that we can take on questions and healthy, I want to say healthy debate that don't create division, but create health within the body of Christ because it's okay to disagree as long as we walk away loving each other and still understanding that we are connected in Christ and we have the same purpose and the same mission. And that's what I pray is that we can come together and be unified in Christ. Father, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for what you are doing in our lives, what you are doing in the bride 
of Christ. I thank you that you are working in and through us. God, I pray that you would lead us to this place of one mind, of one accord. God, that we would shed our own personal opinions. God, that we would stop trying to be right in everything and that we would all accept the possibility that we might be wrong. That means, God, we've got to shed the fact that we think we are wise in our own eyes. We've got to shed the arrogance and the pride. We've got to stop forcing things. We've got to stop going into public forums and bashing one another. God, let us come together in Christ. Let us have these closed-door, open discussions in love. Understanding that we love each other when we have these conversations. We are members of the same body. Jesus, we thank you for your grace and your freedom. Continue to teach us. Holy Spirit, guide us. Give us this firm foundation, understanding the difference between fundamentals and conviction. Make us unshakable that we will give you the glory you the honor and you the praise in christ's name hey guys as always i love you and until next time remain unshakable